This is the 70th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Bernhardt. With me, as always, are my dear co-hosts, Robin Sonsen and Christopher Wikström. Warm welcome to you, dear listener. Hello, hi. How do you do? Hello, friends. Let's get into it. Stockholm Legacy Report can be found every week on the Top Tech app. In this week's episode, we will recap a couple of weeks of paper play here in Stockholm, as focus has been on our lovely guests recently. Firstly... The two of you guys played the league finals recently, we're going to talk about that, which is a tournament for the top 16 ranked players of the last season in the ongoing league at our local game store Alpha Spiel. Robin, how was your tournament? It was great, It didn't. I didn't do very well, but I had a great time. So leading up to the event, I've been playing Night Depths like the entire season and started out really strong in the pre-season, so to like directly after the summer, having quite a good run with Naya Depths in the like in the in the early autumn. But like lately it's been going worse and worse and, and after the like metagame collection project started, I can totally see why because we, we were expecting the meta to go towards combo and it certainly did and it's been over fifty percent of combo decks the last couple of weeks at our LGS. I've been losing a lot with Naya Depths, but I thought what the hell, this is the deck that I know how to play right now. I got the reps, I'm going to bring Naya Depths to the season 5. And I also expected three of the players to play like Delver, so I thought it was a reasonably good decision to bring it. And my tournament went 3-2 and two in total, and uh, I ended up in ninth or 10th place or something like that. Just outside of the top 8, quite mediocre showing. First matchup was against another Naya deck, but not Depths deck, more of a Maverick-style Depths. So it played, of course, Knights as well as I did, but instead of the Depths package, it played more Silver Bullets and a couple of Ursa Saga. And I stole those games, I should say. In game one, I was able to fling Merit Lage for lethal when he had an overwhelming board state. And in game two, I don't really remember, but I think I just drew a little bit better and could like gain the initiative back by drawing more swords to plowshares than he did. <laughs> and then I was matched up against elves, which is basically impossible if you don't have a very dedicated sideboard. So I lost zero and two. Yeah, we've been over this. Yeah, that's how it is against elves. With a lot of decks, actually. This is true, this is true. And then I was matched up against the monored player in the room. Yeah, I lost that too. One of the games I lost to Blood Moon and one of the games I just lost to a, a strong aggro hand from him. That's how it is. Uh, they board in Magus, and like you, you board in Answers for Blood Moon, but they they win with Magus instead. And if you haven't been able to fetch your basics or drawn your Moxes, it can be really tough to win from there. But I managed to climb back by winning against Jeskai. I've been doing really good against Jeskai with Naya actually. Uh, have a great win percentage there and managed to keep that in the finals. I mean, Skabu doing some heavy lifting, of course, and Shoke off the board being really strong. And then I was matched against uh, another control deck in, in the fifth round, but this was against an Esper deck. Funnily, it was much harder to fight against because he uh, ripped my hand apart with Thoughtseize and Cabal Therapies and had a value engine with the Strixes that he recurred with what's that called reanimation spell uh, that you also can cycle unearth unearth right so he was unearthing his strixes and then snapcast ring back the unearth and getting strixes so it was really hard 
to push in damage against him. And Thought Seizes were like taking my Haymaker cards before I could play them. So I actually lost Siren 2 against him. And with losing the final match, I was out of contention for the top eight. So that was my tournament. It was a, a real nice event though and very well organized and we were at a pub in in Södermalm and uh, it was uh, a little bit cold but very very nice uh, location actually. Yeah it was extremely cold in there like they turned on the heat <laughs> during the quarterfinals or something <laughs> and and for people who are not in the know like we had the first like real blizzard one of the biggest blizzards we've had in sweden for uh, or in stockholm for maybe 20 years or something i heard so we just had this massive blizzard it was like 70 uh was it 70 centimeters snow over two days and yeah it was was, uh, insane insane and then we're you know no heating in the pub so we were like legacy mm-hmm. and friendship is gonna keep us warm but yeah it was yeah. freezing i was uh, yeah definitely. it was freezing i was actually out shopping the the day before for like winter shoes because i only had sneakers <laughs> it's been such a such a warm f- autumn so i was like oh my god it's snow i need winter shoes <laughs> yeah I, I ordered new 14 hole sort of big metal boots in september and they arrived a week after this blizzard so delivery times from the uk man <laughs> so what about you christopher how was your tournament uh yeah it was pretty nice i played a 60 card aluren and i i'm keep i'm i'm playing the no quote-unquote no wing conversion so like no combo kill it's well it's an indirect combo kill rather than just a rack or stricting them to death so my round one opponent was uh, blue green omnitel and this is one of the matchups i've talked about it a lot on the pod I do really enjoy this matchup. It's scary, so it's it's not like you are super favored, but you have this advantage because you play against Shontel decks a lot more than they play against the Learn decks. I'm always sticking to the plan of make sure that you waste all of your forces on their show and tell so that they have to force back before they get their omniscience into play. Because then when you both put in your enchantment it's easier for you to just get there from very little. So I managed to win 2-1. Then I played against Blue-Red Delver. This list is uh, quite good against Delver. It it takes a lot to lose two games out of three, but we might hear about that uh, a bit later. But in the second round of the day, I 2-0'd a Blue-Red Delver player. Then in the third round, I played against uh, an Elves player. And this player is... Uh, such a good combo player in general it's always scary to play play this person and you know game one i just get super elfed like (laughs) what you know elf on the shelf like they're everywhere (laughs) like they're just going off but in game two i managed to squeeze an engineer in there into play and also like my opponent's plan on from this moment is to get why would symbiotes and dried arbor so they can natural order for progenitus and kill me that way so they whenever they have two creatures in play i think it's a good opportunity to play a pernicious deed and just blow everything for one and this happens twice in our game too and then in game three we have a big big grind fest back and forth but eventually my opponent just super storms off which is it's harsh 
But, you know, it happens. Like, we're both trying to get to four mana as quick as possible. And if you close your eyes and imagine what deck can do it faster between elves and Aluren, I think the answer is there. I'm just thinking between sort of this episode and, and last episode when we talked to Gustav Bustad, who is the newly crowned champion of Swedish Legacy Nationals, I will not leave the home without at least two copies of Plague Engineer. <laughs> yeah. Whichever played... deck I'm playing. Because elves are so good right now and elves are so good in Sweden right now. Yeah, I played two in the sideboard and uh, two pernicious deeds as well, just to get everything off the table. But, you know, it's it's so hard. And in game three, I didn't find one copy of either. Like, it was a grindy game. We both drew so many cards. But, uh, yeah, I didn't get there. And it's, yeah, it's kind of like what I expected when I knew that I was going to play him. But I put up one hell of a fight. Then I played against Painter. And this is the painter version that is scarier for this deck than normal painter this is the naughty painter that we've talked about this is the main deck torpor orb one of those fairies that has a torpor orb effect on them and like all that kind of stuff so the reason why this is so much scarier is not only are they threatening very cheap dreadnoughts uh, like 12 12 tramples with very little drawback but they also do have the painter combo. The torpor orb is extremely bad for me because all of my creatures really rely on the ETB to be good, besides Uro, which is might be a, a bit good to just get to cheat it in for free mana and then you still get your attack triggers. But yeah, I, I won that 2-1. So at this point I could draw into top 8. So I did just that. And then uh, in the quarterfinals, I played against Blue Red Delver. The way this deck loses to Blue Red Delver is by getting mana screwed. And this is what happened two out of three games. I'm out at fifth place. I, I still had a great time, but that was super rough. Like I missed so many land drops in game one and three, but it happens. Oh, that's rough. It's a rough way to go. Top 18 is always top 18. You gotta you gotta take that. There's nothing to sort of... Yeah, I'm definitely happy about it. I'm not gonna sit here and like, oh, luck sack. No, <laughs> I, I still like, I had a good time. And there is a reason, you know, why why that deck is considered the best in the format. It's I think it's all, it's just so fun to play against all of these different decks. Like, I think we had, don't quote me on this. I think we had 16 different decks in the room. Mm, that's lovely. Yeah. yeah. So the top 16 was 16 different decks, I think, which is just why I love Legacy. One funny thing about the the Naughty Painter deck that you've been talking about, like if you you look at what people are talking about online now, it's all about the initiative deck. That kind of effect is obviously really strong against a deck that are relying very much on the coming to play effect. Yeah, yeah, that's very so true. I think that uh, Naughty Painter is going to stick around if if we enter like a, a new Eldrazi Winter, but Initiative Winter or something like that. You heard it here first. That's awesome. Now, Christopher, you have been on fire in recent weeks at the LGS with a couple of uh, 4-0 results back to back. What is your secret sauce at the moment? And would you be so kind as to share the recipe with our listeners? I don't know, man. Like, 
It's been quite crazy. I've been on this hot streak, this entire local league that we've had. It started like 10, 10 weeks ago. And during these 10 weeks, I managed to play at nine, nine of these events. And uh, I've managed to squeeze out six free ones, one free one and two four O's. The four O's I just got back to back. I don't know what the secret sauce is. I'm just trying to uh, to play as, as good as I can with decks that I'm really comfortable with. Two weeks ago, I did play the exact same list, Aluren list, that I was going to play in the league playoffs. I played against some... Oh, oh wait, yeah, I did actually change it, I remember. I, I made some small adjustments. But, you know, I, that week when I 4-0'd, I played against some extremely tricky matchups that I usually anticipate losing against. Some, some pretty good or okay matchups. When we're talking about battler and matchups, we're talking about TES and Ant, which are both notoriously good against Allure. But, you know, I, I managed to beat those, uh, managed to beat Robin on Naya Depths, 2-0 the a Blue Red Delver. So this is like, it's it's a healthy mixture of getting lucky and playing tight. You know, to get a 4-0 and especially two consecutive 4-0s, luck is a variable that you really have to you have to get lucky but in order to get lucky you have to put yourself in situation where it matters to get lucky i i I don't know like have you have you two ever been on like a hot streak and you can't really explain what you're doing differently you're just the place you're making makes sense all of your plays and moves just align when I'm on hot streaks it's I get into this sense of sort of I'm not really thinking about what I'm doing I'm just sort of doing it and I think for me that resonates with I used to when I was younger I used to be in acting and my best performances are the ones that I don't remember because you enter this sort of zone in, in, in on stage when you are really not aware of what you are doing you're sort of your body is this physical sort of... Uh, Just a canvas for the artistic soul to express itself on stage. Like a lightning rod for the for the art to sort of just channel through. Because people have said like, wow, Victor, like, last night, that was so good. Like, I've never seen you that tight on stage. I'm like, I, I'm completely blanked out. I don't remember anything from that show. And I had the same feeling when I've been on Hot Streaks in Magic. It's just a lot of... It's, basically just happens like opportunities present themselves and I sort of keep on making the correct choices but also I will say I will do I will remember sort of there have been these super tight moments when I have lucked out on occasions as well in those uh, settings so I, I would agree that has something to do with it in a game of variance I mean of course that's gonna be that now I've seen you know some people talking about playing a rug quote-unquote Delver again and I I looked at the lists and I've seen a lot of them being you know categorized as Canadian threshold so I decided to pick up boomer Canadian threshold the real OG with with buff creatures of course like you still gotta stay competitive these rug lists I'm talking about one of them was the winner of our local league finals and I've also seen some results of you know it's practically blue red delver with mongoose instead of delvers splashing green for some sideboard dukes like minskimbu and stuff like that but you know they're for me those decks they aren't Canadian threshold they are 
blue blue red delver in disguise you know they're playing iteration they're playing these value cards and canadian threshold is all about tempo baby so yeah i I cut the expressive iterations and played stifles instead respected every aspect yeah like I, i i mean go down with the ship i i just had to see if if it was real and you know if you're playing stifles you might not want to play cards like minsk and boo that that seems very good if you're playing iterations and aiming in certain matchups to go for a long game so instead i just sleeved up those good old and this is gonna make robin happy winter orbs i played two winter orbs instead of minsk's and squeezed in some maddening hexes instead because that's also pretty good if you're packing winter orbs or trying to stifle them out so i played against oops all spells rug uh, rug lands so this is a very tricky matchup then i i got to play against the amulet deck and the amulet deck is very scary plays a lot of endurances and a lot of ways to get endurance my opponent definitely summoner packed to get one played cavern of souls on i can't remember if it was elemental or incarnation or what it was but i knew my mongoose uh, would not be attacking also played against blue uh, what is it uh, br like black red reanimator in a classical you know in a classic canadian threshold style uh, manner i won every game 2-1 <laughs> uh, besides <laughs> squeezing it out yeah besides oops which i managed to 2-0 I want to play a lot of magic tonight. <laughs> yeah, Get all the value out of my time. <laughs> my mm. my favorite uh, my favorite meme from back in the day was uh, Canadian Threshold is the best deck in the format because it has a forty nine percent matchup against everything, <laughs> and that's uh, <laughs> I don't know. It kind of felt like when I played against a lot of these opponents, I definitely felt that. Jesus Christ, the power level is really high. But that's true for me as well, because my creature suite was four Mongoose, four DRC, and four uh, Merktide. So, you know, when you're... Some Borrowers? Yeah, 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 Embrace and Borrowers. So when you're playing Canadian Threshold with Stifles and Daces and stuff like that, sure, you might not get as a big of a Merktide as the Blue-Red does, but you will squeeze your out faster and you will do so also with your opponent's mana being a lot shakier. So that's what I really enjoy about it. Like if you make a 6-6, six, six, doesn't matter if it's not an 8-8. Eight, eight. Like your 6-6 six, six is going to kill them as fast. Yeah, because they don't have any lands. Yeah, this de- deck, I mean, I've been on an alluring grind for so long. And it was just super refreshing to play, you know, really low to the ground, small closers like Mongoose and DRC they have to close the game. and It was just super exhilarating. Even if my score would have been reversed, like if I would have gone 0-4, I'm positive that I would have had a great time anyways. It, it was a very nostalgic evening. Getting to do some nasty things to your opponents just uh, gave me a bit of, you know, flashback. But I'm going to share my top three moments of the night since we all love stifles and we all love Canadian Threshold. Number three, getting to double stifle reanimator with two petals and one swamp in play so that I could daze their show and tell. I feel attacked. Yeah. So they fetched. I stifled. He was like, okay, I'll fetch again. I stifle again. And he's like, I have to go for this show and tell. And I just flipped my land upside down put the dace on the table. It's like all of the air left his body. That's horrible. That's horrible. 
So that was great. This is with a maddening hex in play also. It's, it's pretty nice. And, uh, number two, playing Winter Orb against lands that had exploration and loam going and won the game because of it. And this is extremely, I can't stress how risky that move is. We came to a situation where my opponent had to choose between should I do anything meaningful or should I untap my Mace of Ifs so I don't take that much more damage from this DRC. I board in Life from the Loam as well. So I'm sitting there with double Wasteland at the end as my only lands untapped. And my opponent like realizes that it doesn't matter what land he untaps. It doesn't matter what lands he loams. It's over. So that was just super sweet. The number one play for all those Canadian fans. You're sitting against your oops all spells opponents. You count the cards in your graveyard. It's five. You look at the board. You have two mongoose in there. You stare your opponent straight in the eyes. You wasteland your trop before combat, so both of your mongoose get threshold. And these are your only two lands that you got. And then you swing in for six, and two turns later they're dead. That's ballsy. That's like, come at me with anything you got, because I only have these two mongoose sitting in, <laughs> in the battlefield. The turn after, I did play a, a Volk, but I needed to get the cards in there quick. I knew that if these attack for one, like if I attack for two each turn, I don't know how much time I'm giving my opponent, but of course, putting of them course. on a free turn clock. Oh, well, in this case, they had two top decks and mm. I was yeah. like, my trap and wasteland is not doing anything this game. So I just put them in the bin. So yeah, no, it's the right choice. It's lovely, but yeah. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say like, it's, it's such a uh, nice nostalgic feeling to to just you know rely on your moongies they are not going to they are they are cannot be touched they will just cross the finish line i mean they are not they are not so untouchable anymore like cards like endurance exist and, and all of that but they are still great finishers yeah and i think i think one of the things that i really enjoy is a lot of the the things that you might run into. Blue Red Delver do sometimes struggle against lands. That's why we've seen Price of Progress and stuff like that from the board because it gets really bad really quickly. My game two against lands, I had I, I, I played a Sioux deck. I played a turn one mongoose, turn two DRC, second mongoose, two baubles, attack for free. Or something like that. I just kept the pressure going, and he even crop rotated for a Mesaviv. But you know, those they don't hit the mongies. The the goose is loose. They get through. Like you can't can't touch this. And that's just super strong. That was that was my uh, hot streak, and we'll see. Like I'm I'm 100% certain that I've jinxed it now, but we'll see. We'll see if I can keep the hot streak alive. Well, well done indeed. How about you, Robin? How, how have you been keeping these uh, past weeks at the LGS? Yeah, so after the the finals, I felt like uh, it was time to put Naya Depths on the shelf for a little bit. I, I was actually been thinking about like trimming some of the combo aspects of it and putting in some more grindy cards and all of that. And when, when realizing what I was doing, I just thought that eh, I should play another deck that is more in tune with what I'm trying to do right now. So I actually tried out the new like grind control hotness four color hamster for the first time last Thursday and managed to win two games, lose one game 
and then the final game of the evening ended up in a draw. But it feel, felt like a victory because I, I was in a leading position there. So <laughs> the matchup was 2-0 against Lance and then 2-0 against Oops All Spells. Then I lost against Jeskai, a deck that I'm kind of used to beat with my adepts. So that was an interesting experience. And then of course drawing with Elves in the in the final match of the day. And I think I played that that matchup wrongly. I, I have learned a lot of that. I will also give you my top three <laughs> moments. <laughs> yeah, top three. Let's go. Okay, so on, on third place, game two against Jeskai. He slams a blood moon and I scoop. Because <laughs> I don't have any I don't have any basics in the deck and I need the blue elemental blast on the stack against Blood Moon. <laughs> this is some uh, 2013 shardless versus painter up in this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was really rough. And and it's like he he that's the only enchantment he plays, so I cannot board in things that would kill Blood Moon. I just have to rely on, on blue blasts on the stack. Man, that's so brutal. That's so brutal. Then on the second place, uh, keeping this hand, land, land, wasteland, uro, uro, force of will, force of will, against oops all spells. That was a win. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) He went for it. I forced. He packed. I forced. He was like, uh, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, yeah he let, packed it. Yeah, you let the pact resolve and then you force right. again. Oh, man. So that was it. So mm. dirty. Mm-mm-mm. And then on the first place, on my first game of the night against Lance, I, I did not know he was on Lance, but I kept a, a hand with Life from the Loam. <laughs> and he had a land, he had a hand with Life from the Loam as well. So we were like fighting over each other's Loam and he managed to to um, dredge down his Bayuka boss so that he get ri- could could get rid of my loam but i had a hand with endurance so i could <laughs> play endurance and get rid of his loam oh, man. and uh, from there on like my deck is much better at snowballing he needed that like loam ending no, and the wasteland going to keep me down so that was a, a sick uh, sick hand to keep against the land deck so a very nice experience playing uh, hamster i will keep on trying it and see if i can uh, learn some of the tricks and the matchups a little bit better yeah it definitely seems like a very cool deck to try out are are you running four colors or three colors with four colors are you yeah. playing leyline binding <laughs> no there's no slots for that why aren't you playing leyline binding it might be good like it might be one of those things where you can just float mana an exile a blood moon yeah and like i i don't think it's unreasonable to splash one splash but like play one planes just to have an out to blood moon because you have both you can play wear from the sideboard and you can play your swords against the magus and all of that so yeah, you can allow yourself to play one basic planes i think yeah i think so and that is all we have for this week if you want more recipes for brews or if you want to share your own recipes on your brews you can happily do so in our discord server you can find the link in this episode description in addition to discord you can hit us up on twitter at sthlm legacy we are also present personally on social media robin where can our listeners find you you can find me on facebook and on twitter there i go by the name jacka underscore boo and i'm also in the legacy reddit channel with the same name yeah and you can find me on twitter at monolithmtg 
And I'm on Twitter at Disco Drogo, and that is the end of the 70th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report. Thank you, Robinson C. and I'm Christopher Wikström. Special thanks to you for listening. The great Frönes has written our music. You can find more of their work on Spotify. Until our next episode, consider what you can do to help the world during this time when we are supposed to be extra generous and friendly.